Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Hughes, former Middlesex pace bowler, journalist, broadcaster and writer. And me, Simon Mann, commentator for BBC Radio's Test Match Special Programme. Cricket is a game of diverse skills but also a game which challenges an individual's mental strength. Dennis Lilly, the great Australian fast bowler, he once said cricket was 90% played in the mind. In this episode, we explore the game's demands on a player's mental strength and its impact on their mental well-being. Has the game of cricket entered a new era where the mental health of a player is as important, or in fact more important, than a player's physical fitness? We'll hear from two former international coaches, a former test player, a current international star and a leading sports psychologist. They'll give their insight into cricket's mind games. Now, in some ways, cricket is a very lonely game. It's one against one, it's 11 against two. Sometimes when a home batsman is thrashing a bowler around the ground in front of a raucous home crowd, it can feel like one against 50,000. It's a game of individuals in a team setup. And there's more than one aspect to this. There's the actual contest itself on the field, the battle between batsman and bowler, the struggle that can last for weeks in a test series of three or five matches, your nemesis waiting for you time after time. Then there are the bald figures. Every day you go to work as a cricketer, unless it rains, of course, the level of your performance can be evaluated, can't it? Runs, bowling figures, drop catches... Very few people have that experience almost every day they go to work of being constantly assessed. There is also, of course, the, the great thing about cricket, which is unique, is that when a batsman is dismissing, when, when he makes a mistake, he's out, and that is like a death, and that puts a real pressure on a player. And there is also the off-field battle, the long tours, the weeks spent away from home without your family and friends, the rise of social media, which is an absolute explosion, and the adulation you get. But on the other side of that coin, you also get people criticising your failures as well, calling you to be dropped as if you were a commodity, uh, something almost worthless. 
And since the coronavirus pandemic began, which of course is a new challenge for everybody, cricket in lockdown, in biosecure bubbles, with restrictions on players' movements, that's another pressure. It's a wonder anyone takes up the game at all. Well, you took it up, but I mean, you've experienced your own pressures as a cricketer, haven't you? Yeah, so we could actually wind back to the early 90s when I was playing for Middlesex um, and I'd had a, a decent career. And uh, one morning... I was late for pre-season training. Uh, it was a very important day, actually, in the calendar because it was what we call photo call day when all the press turn up to take pictures of the players and get some quotes for the sort of preview of the season. Uh, the trophies that we might have won the year before are on display as well. So it's a big day that everyone has to be there for and obviously you know, have their hair cut firstly and all that if you have any hair. Uh, and and it's, you know, it's a very important day. And I was an hour late. And so the initial impression, the initial reaction was, oh, he's late again. You know, why is he late this time? But this time I had a really good reason. Uh, I'd had a bit of an issue with my wife. Uh, we'd had some counselling and so on. But actually she decided that she wanted to leave me. Uh, she'd fallen in love with somebody else. So we had a, a big argument uh, this previous night and into the morning as well. And eventually she left, headed off uh, to see her lover. And I went into Lords to report for this photo call day an hour late. And, you know, I explained this in brief when I arrived. I said, look, I've got a proper reason for once. My wife has said she's leaving me for another man. And there was a little bit of silence and I thought I'd get some sympathy. But then someone said, well, you're not exactly Richard Gere, are you? And, I mean, you know, you had to kind of try and laugh it off, but it was a serious matter, and I had no one to turn to. There was no sports psychologist or anybody kind of assisting you on that side. So I just had to get on with it, and I had to cope with that throughout the season. At times I felt lonely, I felt isolated, unloved, you know, at times a bit depressed. But you have to just carry on. And actually, at the end of that season, I was released because my performances weren't good enough. And I'm not blaming my ex-wife for my ultimate failures, but it does have a big impact. I wonder if that's changing. Uh, the early part of the 21st century in cricket was really the fitness decade. When everyone got really fit, that was followed by the data decade, when everyone looked at the data and, and saw what they could glean from it where teams conducted you know, much more analysis of the game. The 2020s will be the decade of the mind. The importance of preparing the mind to play cricket and sport has never been so widely accepted. And mental health is a bigger and bigger issue in cricket and sport and society in general. Your mental well-being is becoming almost as important, perhaps even more important than your physical condition. Well, yeah, that's true. And, and it really does apply to cricket in, in particular. And actually, it's interesting, but there's been quite a spate of, of suicides in the game over the last 50 years or so. I knew three people I played with who committed suicide because they got so depressed. One of them, very famous, David Bairstow, who, of course, is Johnny Bairstow's father, and two others, lesser known, but, you know, equally tragic stories, Danny Kelleher, who played for Kent, and Mark Saxelby, who I played with at Durham, and he also played for Knotts, and they took their own lives as well, which just shows the kind of pressure that cricket and the kind of all-consuming nature of that game can put on people. We've also had a number of recent cases of top players retiring from internationals or asking for a break for mental health reasons. The most high profile of those recently was Australia's Glenn Maxwell in November 2019. And we shouldn't forget also that the brilliant England women's player, Sarah Taylor, 
announced her retirement from the international game in 2019 for the same reason. So what are the pressures on the modern players? What are the symptoms of poor mental health and what are some of the possible cures? Let's hear from Stuart Law. He played in a less forgiving era under the captaincy of Alan Border in Australia and played plenty of county cricket too. More recently, has coached both the West Indies and Bangladesh before taking over at Middlesex. He has a good grasp on how the awareness of a player's mental state is more acute than it used to be. To think back um, when we played, it, it wasn't it wasn't common knowledge what we were we were going through. Um, if we had a a stage in our our careers where we weren't scoring the runs we should do. We just thought it was a bad patch, you know, you're out of form. Um, but because of the, obviously, the, the information now that has been gathered, um, the research that's that's been done on the subject, um, you know, I'm sure that at some stage we've all gone through uh, symptoms of or actually got it a little bit worse of, of mental illness. Um, you know, thinking bad, um, you know, it's become too tough, uh, you know, it's probably left a bit of a bit of a hole for, for us, uh, the older players. But the the younger generation now, growing up, they're surrounded by fantastic people. You got you know, your sports psychologists, you got doctors, uh, sports doctors. Um, you've got anything you need, uh, and it's up to us as coaches now to to identify if a player is okay, um, which can be tough as well because sometimes players are, are very closed book. Um, but we utilise those other um, avenues we've got, the sports psychs, to work out a, a profile of character. When they're going well, this is how they behave. When they're going poorly, this is how they behave. Um, and you, you weigh it up and then you start asking questions. Is it the job of the coach to identify this or is it the job of the player to approach the coach with it? Look, I think it's a bit of both. Um, you know, I've, I've had dealings with some players in... You know, other teams where, you know, you, you sort of ask them the question, oh, are you all right? You know, is everything OK? How's, how's life at home? And they put up a they put up a front. They say, yeah, no, everything's good. And if they're normally the life and soul of a dressing room and, you know, up and, you know, the talkative one or the telling joke one, and they, they all of a sudden they sit in the corner and go, I'm very quiet. You know, there's something completely wrong. Um, but they're not the ones to come out. After a while, not in a, in a group scenario... You might just say, "Let's go and have a let's go and have a coffee, sit down, and have a chat." And you know, I've had players that have just sat there and burst into tears. You know, and you go, "Right, okay, we've hit something." And then you can act, you can put things in place. Then you can say, "Right, this this player needs to see you know the doc, the psych, um, and there's a there's a um, process in place to help deal with that." But players are nowadays they're more they're more willing and more open to come out uh, to come forward uh, with their issues, um, and we've just seen great. Great examples of that back home in Australia with um, you know, Glenn Maxwell is the is the number one um, or the biggest player to to have come out and openly said it, which is you know, fantastic work from Glenn, but also great work from Victoria and Cricket Australia to identify that he was going through some some issues that he didn't know how to deal with. So, as Stuart Law says, there there's clearly a lot more sensitivity to a player's mental condition than there used to be. But what are the pressures on the modern player actually like? And how are they affected by them? Sometimes you, you see the you see the players. The first thing they do at the end of a day's play, they go through their Twitter feed or you know some social media feed, and you know there might be one, two, there might be a thousand saying how bad you are. You got to deal with that, you know. And even though you think, well, I didn't have a great day today, yeah, yeah, that one's that's, that one's right. Yeah, this one's pretty funny. If you keep going through and keep reading them like people do, 
it's going to start playing on your mind. You know, you, you keep getting told you're not very good. You're going to start believing you're not very good. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough world, mate, that, that in, a, in a sense that you're being scrutinised by, you know, the, the people around you, the people who are guiding your career, selectors, um, management, coaches, what have you, your teammates. Um, but then you've got the public perception and there's some, there's some horrible people out there, keyboard warriors who, you know, just sit there and say something without thinking thinking it through or not really caring about it, just want to get a reaction. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the reaction that they're getting these days is, you know, there's, there's some kids in some pretty serious trouble. I'd encourage any player who plays the game, ditch your social media while you're a player. Trying to tell a kid to, to delete all your apps off your phone and use your phone just for making calls and sending a text to you know, your friends and family, um, that doesn't happen. Um, so they don't take any notice? Well, they don't because it's their, it's their life, isn't it? We, mm. They've grown up completely different to us. Um, and I, I get that now. It took me a while. I've got a, an 18-year-old son who, who goes through the same process. You know, he comes home and he sits there and looks at his you know, social media feed and you know, that's, that's what they do. Um, so you can't just switch that off. Luckily, we live in a more enlightened age now. Players feel much more able to be open about their struggle with the mental aspect of the game. There's a case of Tom Wesley. Wesley played five tests for England in the summer of 2017. He averaged only 24. He was then dropped. He wasn't picked for England's winter tour of Australia that year and hasn't played for England since. He accepts he didn't perform as he'd hoped, but he still found his disappointment almost overpowering the following season. We asked him how he overcame it. The 2018 season was sort of it was a you know accumulation of like many low points really, um, and it actually got to the point where you know I, I actually sat down with Tendo, who's captain at the time and, and a close friend, and actually the head coach um, Anthony McGrath, who's you know he's got a brilliant relationship with all the Essex boys, and I and I just said to him like I'm struggling for like motivation here, um, and and a lot of and you know maybe that wasn't. You know, that, that might not always appear the smartest thing to do is go to the captain and go to their coach saying that I'm struggling to sort of get up for games at the moment. But it was testament to my relationship with them that I felt that I could, could speak to them. And, and you know, um, Max was, like, Antendo were, were outstanding. Uh, Max actually said to me he wished that I'd spoke to him a lot sooner because obviously he went through the same process of you know being dropped for England as many players do mm. and and I'm sure it affects everyone in, in different ways but for, for me because I've always tried to maintain a certain amount of like level-headedness and composure it was just a bit I just felt and I said to Max I just felt very deflated and I felt deflated for quite a long period of time actually and it wasn't until I probably actually you know spoke about the subject with with Tendo and Max that it sort of alleviated a lot of a lot of the problems mag suggested that i make a list of you know why i play cricket um you know the, the positives the negatives and he said there's no there's no negative he's like if it's if it's a something you know like if it's a a financial reason or a it to feed your ego you know whatever it is just just put it down and then you know once i started working through it getting a bit more structure uh, practicing the way that I had been, uh, that what got me to England. Then obviously the, I had a little bit more success on the field. I finished that season, the 28th season, with a couple of hundreds, which were, if I'm being completely honest, they didn't feel the same, but it was still rewarding. Um, but it was just that, you know, 
almost going back to the beginning like why do I play cricket you know because I you know it's as simple as you know loving the sound of like middling the cricket ball or whether it is like raising your back to your to your friends and family in the crowd for a 50 or 100 but just actually maybe acknowledging all the positives as well as some of the negatives I slowly started to regain that sort of that motivation and hunger the media intrusion from the likes of Twitter and Facebook and so on and the scrutiny is certainly ramped up when you play international sport. It goes with the territory, I suppose, and the players have learnt to expect a greater level of interaction and comment. You try and ignore it, especially, of course, the negative stuff, but it's not always that easy, as Tom Wesley remembers. Well, you're as prepared as best as you can with, with the England line set up. You know, we, we have meetings and we have, you know, some excellent coaches, Andy Flower, Graham Thorpe, and they, they give workshops on those sort of things. But actually, I think until you're in it, you, like, you don't really know how you're, you're going to cope. But, but one bit of advice that Graham Thorpe, I remember, spoke about was that if he knew that he'd played well, you know, he would maybe follow some of the media stories and, and boost his ego. And everyone knows when when you're doing poorly. But you know that you're going to maybe be getting hammered in the media, so you avoid it. So I tried to sort of follow that that mantle, but unfortunately I didn't really have much success, so I wasn't really getting much praise. Um, so I set out, obviously, to ignore all the media and, and stuff. But what what is tough is when some of your like closest friends and family, without realising... Like, say, my mum, for example, can you believe what, like, Shane Warne said in the paper about you? I was like, well, actually, mum, I haven't looked at it, but then ultimately you do have a look at it. Yeah, I know what he's talking about there. I've experienced quite a bit of negativity in social media myself. I've actually had death threats. Uh, I've had people saying to me, I'm a total idiot or an imbecile. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe suggesting I should be sacked for things I've said on TV or on the radio. Uh, somebody actually <laughs> nicely once put, your opinion of what might have happened has no relevance or authority than my mother-in-law's chihuahua. Nice. You try and laugh most of that stuff off, but the more you get the more it, it gradually kind of percolates into your inner psyche. And eventually, I suppose like me, you begin to wonder if all this social media engagement is really worthwhile. Mm. Well, there's the off-field noise, isn't there? That surrounds cricket. But what about the pressure actually on the field itself? Overcoming a temporary loss of form, facing up to a bowler who always seems to have the wood on you, dealing with a tight run chase. There are many critical moments which test a player's mental resolve on the field. How can they prepare for this? Well, a South African coach, Paddy Upton, who's worked with the Indian 2011 World Cup winning team and also for a number of IPL franchises, he's come up with some ideas. He portrays himself as a mind coach and has developed an interesting new technique to test and enhance a player's ability to handle those high-pressure moments. We can practice every single aspect of cricket except how do we practice that high-pressure moment, recreate that high-pressure moment or recreate zoning, or being in the flow, in the face of the distractions from that high-pressure moment. We haven't been able to find that. And it's, it's early days exactly how we apply it in cricket, but I have found how to, what the neurophysiology is of that uh, panic or choking moment, high-pressure moment in a game. It's effectively a fight-or-flight response we now can track exactly what happens when the amygdala in the brain triggers a fight or flight response. We know what triggers it. So now I've found a way through the science of meditation, what's happening in some other extreme sports, um, like how to 
like well free 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 diving big wave surfing um some of them what the extreme athletes are able to do where their minds overcome their physiology and their body so the the mind over matter but we can now see what happens in the mind when they do that so we found a way to recreate that um, at will on mass even just in a team room it's very early days so i don't want to talk in too much detail um, about it you know as the season unfolds we'll see but already i've been doing it for a week and players are reporting some amazing things that are happening for them but effectively what we're doing is it's not sports psychology where we fine tuning players focus or visualization under pressure we're actually going in a neuro hacking so we're triggering the fight or flight response uh, and in a 15 minute training session they trigger it six times and in order to succeed what, what the, the, the thing is it's a trigger fight or flight response now on a cricket field the fight or flight response is always a false alarm because that is it's a survival ancient survival mechanism um, on the field it's triggered and it's normally related to ego and what I look like if I fail or desperation to succeed so the fight or flight triggers which shuts down our thinking brain which is effectively the same as panicking um, uh, we focus on the problem so we become dis distracted we are not under any survival threat on a cricket field it's a false alarm and the survival mechanism is triggered to fire very early for our survival so people are able to in survival situations they they endure these feats of physical endurance way beyond what any normal human being can because they have to but the reality is we need to learn how to override that early number one to false alarm and on the cricket field it is always too early and it's completely false because there is no threat so we found a way to trigger it where players get into a mental physical highly stressed situation that is also a false alarm and they learn how to become centered and zoned so i can have 25 players they do an activity that stresses them out and i can see if anyone comes out of the activity i know you've succumbed to your body or brain um, and other players are able to hold it for longer you have to be able to zone in order to override the stress signals from the brain and the body and we can do that at will every day. You've experienced plenty of high pressure moments in your career. And, you know, there's a really hard moment for you to sort of reflect on as well, isn't there? You know, a really tough moment. You go back to the 1989 NatWest final. Yeah, which uh, we were defending 10 off the last over. I was bowling that over. We lost. Uh, the second ball went for six and we lost with, you know, a couple of balls to spare. And you do feel, you know, pretty low in, in those moments. In fact... Before that moment happened, though, I was quite good at, at handling those sort of high-pressure moments. I felt quite calm in that situation. But you look around the team and you look at other people looking really tense, and that can make you tense as well. So it, you need the whole team to sort of buy into that calm, composed mentality. And that's where someone like Owen Morgan is such a brilliant captain because every time in those really critical, high-pressure moments, he looks ice cool and that can really be powerful in kind of calming the other players down as he obviously did with Joffre Archer in that World Cup final. Another England player who has a reputation of staying calm in pressure moments is Joss Butler and funnily enough in the recent IPL played behind closed doors in the UAE he noticed that some young players were less intimidated because of the lack of big crowds egging on their heroes. I don't think you lose the intensity necessarily in the cricket, but you know the crowd 
especially in the IPO, just creates such a buzz and such a, you know, every ball was such a massive event. Um, so you just lose the reaction almost. You know, the, the cricket is the same, but you lose that reaction um, to an amazing shot or a wicket or, you know, even when the ball goes into the outfield, you know what it's like in, in the IPL. It's, it creates a massive amount of volume. Um, so that's certainly different. And I wonder if, you know, over time, you know, the, the pressure is a little bit different. You know, I think of sort of playing against a, a Dhoni or a Kohli, you know, when they stride to the wicket and the, the crowd is, um, you know, going crazy and stuff. So obviously that doesn't happen um, behind closed doors. And, um, you know, maybe that might help some of the, the younger players who are playing against them um, you know, lose a little bit of fear factor because the crowd aren't on their back as well. Um, but yeah, it's certainly it's different. You know, you're just used to the IPL and the razzmatazz of um, of the crowds. Um, but that does go the same for you know for in England as well. We get so well supported, so it's just different. Uh, and I think, but I, I think the action is probably just less emotion in the game. That's how I, I sort of see it. Okay, so we've heard from some players and coaches about dealing with the mental side of the game. Let's hear from a sports psychologist now. Andrea First is an Australian sports psychologist who works regularly with Surrey County Cricket Club in England and was also closely involved with the Olympic gold medal winning Great Britain women's hockey team, as well as other various international athletes. She thinks one of the aspects that makes a top cricketer's life that much more mentally demanding is all that time away from home. There are longer periods of time where particularly those that are involved in national duty and or uh, club and or franchise, their schedules are busy and they're away from home probably more than most athletes and outside their, um, you know, the, the comfort of the people that they would you know, spend time with, whether it be their own um, mentors, coaches, you know, it could be their family, friends, etc. Is that sort of a, an element of homesickness, partly? I mean, definitely there would be athletes that, that feel homesick. But I think it's just also the fact that, you know, if, if people were asked to be in their workplace for, let's say, high 200s in terms of days a year and with rest days that are often spent with teammates um, or work colleagues and if you're in an office space... I think most people would go. That's that's a little different. That's that's um that's different to being you know the extreme where it might be a you know a, probably not typical anymore, but a nine to five where I'm you know sleeping in my own bed, um, eating meals with my family or friends or whoever it might be consistently, and and have a have a routine that's very comfortable. And then and then you've got in addition to that the anxiety around performance um, which is no different to any other sport um, you know being in that environment and needing to you know compete and train well um, you've got you know the eyes of your selectors and your teammates watching you um, pretty much 24 7 um, so if you're in a hotel with your team then you know, people aren't um, just able to have breakfast without you know some eyes of staff watching them not necessarily every move they make but it's it's far from the confines of your own home where you can completely relax so so you're on you're on a lot if, do you understand what i mean by on like on as in mm. um yeah. you know if you think about your nervous system you're probably 
in that um, potentially that fight and flight stage rather than rest and digest. And, and that's the bit that we've got to teach athletes to do when they're away is to make sure they give back to themselves. They have ways that they can recover, disengage, decompress, all those sort of buzz terms. They're lots of the things that we're working on, um, you know, with athletes, particularly the ones on the road. It's not that this is an issue for every player, but particularly at the highest level, it is the amount of travel and time away consecutively, in addition to the fact that the, the game itself, um, particularly in, in, the, in the test form, is long in duration. So you can be out fielding for a long time, bowling for a long time, batting for a long time, or you could be sitting watching for a long time. So there's, there's the ability to be able to... Um, you know, stay engaged and on because you definitely don't want people switching off while they're on camp, you know, away from training, away from competition because they're there to do a job. But you also need to have that ability. It's almost like having different gears for different different parts of um, their life. Whereas, you know, when you drive it, you know, most of us, if you're driving the driveway or pull up the car at home and you're going to home, yeah, there might be a little bit of thinking about other people, but you can definitely relax and decompress a lot more. So some good practical advice there from Andrea First, which I suppose could be valuable in other walks of life, maybe in business as well as in sport and in cricket. She's certainly a valuable asset to all those star Surrey players, notably Liam Plunkett. He found her very helpful when he was trying to deal with the rather more mundane realities of life after the euphoria of winning the World Cup last year. Yeah, not easy, is it, to come down, you know, you have a huge high of winning the World Cup and then, you you know, you go back to sort of regular life on the county circuit. Yeah, but he's, he's someone who seems to always be smiling and seems to rarely forget how much fun it is to be a cricketer. It's a wonderful life overall, a privilege to be playing such a game and be paid for it. But it's also important to put your cricketing career into context and have a broader perspective on life, as Tom Westley advises. I've always said to myself, like, the day that I actually do view this as a job is probably the day that I shouldn't be playing anymore. I think we're we're blessed with the lifestyle that it gives you, the countries that you get to see and the friends and uh, experiences that you get to go through is why. Is that there are a lot of the things that I put down as positives for, for being a cricketer. You need to, and I think this is where Essex have been so successful, is, is actually buying into something like bigger than just, just yourself. I know Graham Gooch speaks a lot about it's not always... I know he scored, obviously, thousands and thousands of runs, but he wants to remember of how many games of cricket he won, how many games of cricket he won for Essex or for England. And I think that's... Because as a batsman, you know, it's very easy to be perceived as selfish. I think if you can be a selfless cricketer and be... and and hopefully look back on your career having won things rather than averaging five more and having won nothing, I think that's a much better and healthier mentality to have for not only yourself but for the team i was fortunate that i i studied a bit of this my dissertation revolved a little bit around it in cricket and one of my best friends also did a dissertation in cricket into suicide which was quite hard to read piece and a lot of it focused around your identity um, and a lot of people, I think, cricketers in particular, you know, they create their identity because of their profession. They're a cricketer. So I think if you can accept that you're a cricketer and it's a great job and it's brilliant, but actually have things outside of cricket, enjoy other people's success and try and be level headed. I think that helps your sort of mental well-being and health. 
Yeah, it's a good point, that, from Tom Wesley. Context, balance is so important. I mean, I was lucky that I had an interest in writing about the game as well as playing it. So there was other things to focus on if you had a, a bad day. We've all got our favourite teams and players, of course. We all want our teams to win. And we argue for a player to be dropped after a poor run of form. I know what that's like. But the next time you watch cricket, think about what the individual and what he or she is going through, what failure might mean for them. Yeah, someone like David Warner, for example. He's not everyone's idea of their favourite cricketer, but I, I just couldn't help wondering what it must have been like for him as he walked off at the Oval in September 2019, knowing that few in the ground had any sympathy for him whatsoever. He'd been booed all summer after Sandpaper Gate. He'd just been dismissed again by Stuart Broad. He made his way back to the pavilion after being caught at slip for 11 with a series average of 9.5. 95 runs from 10 innings, a prolonged and humiliating torture for one of the world's top opening batsmen. It reminded me of a comment made by the former England opening batsman Graham Fowler about the end of the 1984 England series against the West Indies when Graham Fowler walked off at the Oval after being dismissed for the final time by that brilliant, intimidating, menacing pace attack. He said, my main thought was relief. I'd survived. I'm still alive. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.